week's podcast from Relevant Church. We are so thrilled and excited to see what God has planned for your life through this message. We know you're going to enjoy it. Sit back, relax. God bless. John chapter 5. We're going to continue uh, where we left off last week and, uh, and hear what God has for us today. And before we get started, I'm going to go ahead and pray. And I ask you that you pray for me and pray that the Spirit will speak through me this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for allowing us to come here to celebrate what you are doing in our lives, in our city, in our nation, in the world, Lord. I ask that you be with us this morning, that we may be completely focused on your word, that we may hear from your spirit, who is the teacher of the church. We don't come to church to hear from a man or a woman. We come here to receive from your heart, Lord, your heartbeat for our life. God, as you bless us here this morning, I I lift up all the other churches that are preaching your gospel. I pray for Harvest and Sandals and The Grove and East Hills Community Church and Magnolia Baptist and the Baptist churches, Methodist churches, Presbyterians, Pentecostals, and Charismatics, Lord. Thank you so much for such a diversity in your body. I also lift up our Catholic brothers and sisters and Seventh-day Adventist brothers and sisters and all those who seek your heart, Lord. May you reach them. May you find them, God, and bless them the way that you're blessing us. In Jesus' name I pray, and everyone says, Amen. Amen. John chapter 5. So, uh, today, we're going to continue where we left off last week. Uh, we, we, we talked about how Jesus was in Jerusalem for one of the feasts. It doesn't tell us exactly which feast he was there for, as he does in the other six times that he mentions that he was in Jerusalem for a feast. This time, it just says he was there for a feast, and he happens to be at the, at the sheep gate, of, uh, of where the temple is, and there there's a, a, a two pools that's surrounded by five colonnades, five uh, patios. And in those patios are multitudes of people who are either lame, uh, diseased, and, and blind, and all kinds of other infirmities, and they're waiting to get in the pool so that they may be healed. And Jesus bypasses everyone and finds one man and tells him to get up, pick up his mat, and walk. Now, I don't want to preach the whole sermon all over again, so you're going to have to go ahead and get to Relevant 316 to get caught up. But today, we're going to continue uh, in the story as to what happened after this man has, has gotten his mat and walked, and what happens after he goes back to the Jews and, and the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, and tells them that it was Jesus who told him to do these things, and what happens when, when that particular thing that Jesus has done is on the Sabbath day, the holy day for the Jewish people. The day that you don't mess with. The day that God set aside and declared as the holy day. Now before we get into that, throughout the the ages, there's been a great discussion, a great debate as to who is Jesus and why did he die? Who is Jesus? Uh, When when Jesus was, was living on earth, At that time, the the authorities and the teachers of the law would always ask him, who are you? On whose authority do you do these things? Where do you come from? They were trying to uh, decide what what his true identity was. His disciples thought that he was going to be the next emperor who was going to take over and, and kick out the Romans. Some people said that he was John the Baptist or Elijah uh, raised up from the dead. Others said that he was, uh, the the Pharisees said that he was a Samaritan or a demon-possessed man because of the things that he would say. Throughout the ages, 
theologians have debated. Was Jesus an example of faith or was he the object of faith? Two different things. Is he an example for us to follow or is he the one that we are to place our hope and trust in and all of our belief in? And today you'll find different experts who argue with you, who will debate and, and, and try to speak authoritatively and say that, well, Jesus was just a great teacher. He was a great man who did great things and, and people didn't understand him and didn't understand the good works that he was doing. And so therefore, they had him crucified. Well, today is the day that Jesus speaks for himself. Jesus uh, reveals himself in one sentence. He completely says, this is who I am. This is where I come from. And this is why I'm better than you. Jesus is better than you. (laughs) Hashtag, Jesus is better than you. Okay. The text says this in verse 16, and this is where we're going to pick up the story. He says, and this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, my father is working until now, and I am working. Verse 18, this was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Now, verse 16, I got to give you a little bit more background. What's taking place here? Let me me just back up a little bit uh, to verse 9. After the man has been healed, it says, and once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked, now that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it is Sabbath, it is unlawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, the man who had been healed, uh, the man who healed me, that man said to take up your bed and walk. They asked him, who was that man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in the place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see you are well, sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. And the man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed them. And for this reason, they persecuted him. That he was doing these things on the Sabbath. Um, it's very interesting that, that John does not explain to us what these things, because what we've seen in this text so far is that he's done one thing. He's told this man to do this thing, right? But the text says, for this reason, because he was doing these things. And so what John is doing is that he's giving us a summary of all the different things that Jesus is doing on this particular day. These things, these types of things. Now, some of us would say, well, the things that Jesus were doing are very redemptive. It was good works. It was, it was awesome things. He was, he was extending mercy to people on the Sabbath. And, and because he was doing these good things, that these, these Pharisees and these teachers of the law did not understand. And they didn't perceive that, that God requires mercy and, or, over sacrifice. These things. You go to John chapter 8 and you'll find Jesus doing the same type of thing on the Sabbath where he heals a blind man. You go to Mark, you'll find that Jesus is, is harvesting wheat on the Sabbath and eating with his disciples and the teachers of the law are like, why are you harvesting on the Sabbath? It's unlawful for you to do these things over and over and over again. It's as if Jesus is like, I am going to tick off the Pharisees and completely put it in their face and do these types of things on the Sabbath to just mess them up. Why would Jesus do this? 
kind of talked about it last week. He was here to completely uh, confront empty religion, empty observation without relationship. And so he does so by going to the heart of the Jewish life. He's doing these things on the Sabbath. Verse 17 is a verse that, that I wish, you know, if I was there, I'd have, I'd have been that disciple that would have been like, you know, been a little bit of a pain in Jesus' side, you know. I'd have been the guy who would have been like, Jesus, don't say it like that. They're going to kill you. <laughs> I'd have been his press team, like, like you know, like, all right, if you, if you want to say it this way, you've got to like, you know, sandwich, you know. Give the good, a little bit of the criticism, then, then like, you know, affirm them again. I'd have been that guy. I'd have been the guy who would have like, you know, as soon as Jesus is talking, well, my father, what are you talking about? <laughs> Jesus answered them, my father's working until now and I am working. I've got a park right there because, see, I grew up in a church that, that really, really felt as if Sabbath is a big deal. I, that, that's how I grew up. I didn't grow up going to church on Sunday. I grew up going to church on Saturday. And, and we live in a community where there are some that tell us that the seventh day is a very, very big deal. As a matter of fact, they'll tell you that, that one of the things that, that's going to determine whether you're part of the true church or not is whether or not you worship on the Sabbath. Has anybody heard anything like that before? And so I, I've got to park right here a little bit and talk about the Sabbath. <clears throat> the apologetic that you hear from those who think that Sabbath is still in effect today is that Jesus was basically reinterpreting the Sabbath. What Jesus does in verse 17 does not sound like a reinterpretation. This is like basically Jesus saying, yes, I am doing works on the Sabbath. Absolutely right. But let me give you the reason. My father is working, and I'm doing his work too right now. I, I wish Jesus would have been like, no, 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 guys. The, the reason why we do Sabbath is for redemption, and so my works are redemptive. God's works are redemptive, and that's why we do these types of things. You guys have missed the boat. You didn't get it correctly. You're trying to put, impose a, a restriction on people when, when God wants to release them, and that's what I've done to this man. I've released him. I wish Jesus would have said something like that because then it would have been a reinterpretation of Sabbath. It would have been a reharmonization of Sabbath. I could have bought into that. The Pharisees probably could have been won over a little bit like yeah that sounds like a good idea Jesus we're gonna start from now on on the Sabbath feed the poor heal the sick visit the hospital on the Sabbath but Jesus doesn't do that he, he kind of messes it up a little bit or so he says my daddy is working until now and I'm working too. Big problem in that statement. See, we, we, we can just read that and just say, wow, well, Jesus was, well, God was his father. He is the son of God. But for the Jewish mindset and the Pharisees, and, and you've got the top theologians in Jerusalem, the ones who like hold the keys to Jewish theological life in the audience. And Jesus says, my father is working. Problem. 
This is the second time that Jesus has said, my father. In John chapter 2, when he went into the temple and, and started, you know, going Spartacus on them and like, you know, kicking over tables and whipping up on fools and saying, you've turned my father's house into the den of, of thieves. You remember that? He says, my father's house. They didn't hear the my father part. They were busy trying to duck like, oh my gosh, this dude is crazy. They didn't hear that part. But this time he's, he's got their attention and he says, my father. Whoa, 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 whoa. In their context, nobody refers to God as my father. God is holy. God is, God is great. He's, he's out there. You don't call him my father. You can't be related to God in that way. And see, the thing is, is that religion does not get you close. It keeps you somewhere fearfully observing. But Jesus is instituting something different. He's saying, my father... I feel like preaching. I'll, I'll stop. <clears throat> I'll stop. Let's just keep teaching the text. Um, don't want to scare off the Baptist and pretty Presbyterians. Um. My father is working until now. So here, here's, here's what's happening. Let's go to Genesis chapter 2 real quick. Chapter 1. Genesis is, chapter 1, is at the very beginning of your Bible. It's the first book and first chapter. just want to show you a pattern of what's happening here. I'm not going to read all the verses, but I just want to show you the, the, the formula of what takes place in Genesis chapter 1 going to chapter 2. Verse 3, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. Okay, so I'm going to ask you to help me out for a second, right? Whenever we get to evening and morning, y'all say it with me, okay? If you're reading along. So, uh, verse, verse 8, he says, and God called the expanse heaven, and there was evening and there was morning the second day he creates some more things and after he he creates that on the third day says and there was evening and there was morning and it was called the third day that pattern repeats itself over and over again until it gets to the sixth day in, in genesis chapter 1 verse um verse 24, and God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock, creeping things, and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so, and God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and livestock according to their kinds, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. Uh, can someone say that God created? Yeah, he, he didn't come from a, uh, a, a big bang or something crazy like that. God created everything after its kind. Uh, that was for free. Creationism 101. Verse 26, then God said, let us make man from a monkey, and then he will evolve. <laughs> no, it says, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, amen? And let them have dominion over the fish in the sea, over the birds, over the heavens, over the livestock, over all the earth, and every creeping thing that, the creeps, <laughs> that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. 
and God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. And I'm being obedient in that, uh, to that verse. Amen. And fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish and over the sea, over the birds, over the heavens, over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said to man, he says, behold, I've given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw that all he had made. And behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens, chapter 2, and the earth were finished. And all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work. Everyone say, God finished his work. God finished his work that he had done and he rested. He stopped. It wasn't that God got tired. It was like, oh my gosh, I've been creating all this stuff. I'm so tired. I need a vacation. No, he, the rest in that sense means that he stopped. He, he completed. He came to a stop from his work. And he, and he stopped, and, 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 and all his work was done at that point. And so verse 3 says, so God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in all creation. And the evening, oh, the formula doesn't end there. You've got that evening and morning on the first day, evening and morning on the second day, third day, fourth day, fifth day, sixth day, evening and morning on the seventh day, the day that he sanctifies, there is no evening and morning. It's because God is saying this rest, this, this thing that man has been uh, created into is supposed to be an eternal perpetual situation. Adam did not do one thing to create. Who, who, who made the sea? Who made the birds? It's all God doing all this work. Adam on the six days is created and his first full day is a day in God's finished work. You guys with me? His first full day is into God's finished work. Adam didn't do a thing. I was, I was reading... Um, uh, a joke the other day, and it was talking about how a group of scientists uh, got together and they were like, you know what? We've been able to clone sheep. We can clone humans. We really need to send a memo to God and tell him we don't need him anymore. And so they, they voted on the, the smartest, brightest one of them, the most charismatic one of them, and said, you're going to go talk to God and tell him, God, we've got it from here. You can move on. So this guy goes to God and says, uh, God, on behalf of the scientists of earth, um, we want to let you know we're better than you. We got this. And so God says, well, if you guys feel that way, I'd like us to just kind of test it out. Let's create a man the way I created a man. And so get some dirt and, and, and we'll do this. So the scientist says, all right, all right, let me, let me get some dirt. And God looked at him and says, no, 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 get your own dirt. <laughs> There's nothing that man did to create or to make anything. It all came from God, amen? And so his first full day is into God's finished work. 
And that, that we don't know how many days it was between sin and, and, and this seventh day where God uh, rested. But all we know is that the moment that human beings in chapter 3 decided to disobey God, that eternal rest that was supposed to happen between God and mankind was broken. It was completely broken. And from that moment on, if you look at the Sabbath commandment in Exodus, you'll notice that everything about the Sabbath commandment, about the things that you're not supposed to do on the Sabbath, are things that did not exist in a perfect world. Because in the perfect world, you walked in the cool of the day with the Lord. There was nothing that kept you away from God. Everything was in perfect harmony. But the moment sin enters in, in chapter 3, rest is broken. Man has to work. God begins a new work. A work of, of not creating a new world again, but rather creating a new human. You guys with me? <clears throat> rest is broken. And so in John chapter 5, let's go back to John chapter 5. Jesus says, my father is working until now, and I too am working. This reminds me of John chapter 4, verse 34, where Jesus says that, that my food is to do the will of the, the one who sent me and to complete his work. Oh, it's going to get good in a second. And to complete his work. So when Jesus says, my father is working until now, if he had just said, God is working until now, it would have been a Good statement. The, the Jews have appreciated that. It's like, yes, that's, that's absolutely correct. Because, see, they had several different views. A, 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 a council of rabbis had gotten together and said, well, you know, uh, is it possible for God to break the Sabbath? And they decided, they voted that God was, was kind of exempt from breaking the Sabbath because, well, he needed to sustain the universe. And the universe is his domain, and so he cannot carry the universe into another domain because he fills the universe. And so therefore, God is the only one who's allowed to be a lawbreaker on the Sabbath. That's how obsessed the Jews had become with the Sabbath. They actually had symposiums to discuss whether or not it was lawful for God to break the Sabbath by sustaining the universe. I'm not making this stuff up. Can God be a lawbreaker? So they decided, well, he's the only one who can do this. But see, the thing is this, is that when Jesus makes a statement, my father's working until now, the Jews don't understand the type of work that, Jesus, that God is working on. The only type of work that they're thinking of is sustaining the universe, making sure that things are running in order, making sure that the sun is spinning or the earth is spinning around the, the sun and, and all those types of things. Jesus says, my father is working until now, uh, and I am working. <clears throat> the problem with that statement is, is simple and complex. First of all, no one calls God my father. Problem number one. Problem number two, we can agree that God's working but when, the moment you start saying that you too are working, you're placing yourself in the same category as God who is the only one who's exempt from keeping the law. 
And so in that one statement, Jesus has simply said, number one, I have a relationship to the Father that you guys don't have. I'm better than you. Number two, the activities that God is involved in are activities that I too am involved in because I'm God. You go to a liberal church and they'll tell you, well, Jesus never actually claimed to be God. Why did they kill him? In John chapter 10, you'll find a discussion between Jesus and the Pharisees. And, and, and the Pharisees simply say, it's not for any good work that we seek to stone you. But it is because you, being a man, claim to be God. Everyone who will try to tell you, well, Jesus was just a man who did good works and the people did not understand his good deeds. And so therefore they crucified him. It's completely off because the reason is stated right here. My father is working until now, and I am working. Verse 18, this is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. What are the claims that Jesus made of himself? He told the people, you are from below, I am from above. He told the people that, that uh, uh, you are of this world, I am not of this world. He told the people that, 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 that he, the angels, the angels, God's angels were his angels. For he said it, I can call down my angels. Who can speak like that? He forgave sin personally. If I stole, uh, let me change that example. Uh, if Ursel stole, <laughs> you should have seen his face. He went from a ha ha If Ursel stole $5 from Joel and Joel was offended that Ursel stole $5 from, from, uh, from him, and then I go up to Ursel and say, Ursel, I forgive you. Do I have the right to forgive herself for a sin against Joel? So when Jesus forgives a man of his sins, what's that saying to the, to the Jewish scholars, the theologians? Wait a minute. What gives you the right to, to forgive an offense that's been made to God? Only God can forgive sins personally because he's the one who's been offended. You guys with me? You get the example. He forgave sins personally, therefore claiming to have the same authority as God. He received worship for people would come and, 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 and worship him and he would receive it. Every other place in the Bible where an angel of the Lord appears to someone and, and the people bow down, says that John fell down on his face and began to worship the angel. And the angel said, no, I'm just like you. Don't worship me. But Jesus, on the other hand, whenever people would fall down and worship him, he received their worship. As God. Don't believe the hype. Don't believe what the guests on the Oprah Winfrey show will tell you. Believe the eyewitnesses. Believe the man himself. He claimed to be God. He was God. He is God. Amen.
It's not misunderstood. Calling himself, calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. The thing about this text that, that, that I want to drive home is this, is that, see, in Genesis chapter 2, the rest that pointed to Sabbath was broken. In the Gospel of John, you find all these mentions of all these different feasts. Whenever he goes to a feast, and, and, and whether it's the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of, 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 uh, of Trumpets or any of those feasts, every time it's mentioned, there's a, a direct correlation between those feasts and how those feasts were anticipating the ministry of Jesus. How those feasts were pointing to Jesus, how he was fulfilling those feasts. And so in this chapter here, what Jesus is doing is saying, listen, you've been anticipating the rest that comes from a day, but that rest is found in me. You've been trying to find rest in a day, but I'm the Lord of that rest. I told you earlier, as we were getting to chapter 5, that John chapter 5 was that chapter that changed my life. And it was literally verse 17, where as I was reading the text, it went from being 12 point uh, in font to 182 point in font. My father is working until now. And I am working. I was troubled by that text because I was like, wait a minute. God completed his work on the sixth day and he stopped. What work did he begin? And then in John chapter 4, where where Jesus says to, to his disciples, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? And Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. And then he says, my father is working and, and I am working. And, 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 and there's this concept where God has, is working. He's doing something. And, and, and I, I kept on dwelling on that idea that God is at work. What is the work that he's doing? And then I read the story further. Found out about how eventually those who pursued Jesus in order to kill him for claiming to be God and for destroying religion on his heels eventually got the upper hand or they thought they got the upper hand he was betrayed by one of his own disciples and given over to the Romans They brought trumped up charges against him. No one could ever accuse him of any wrongdoing. They brought false witnesses against him. And they convicted him and sentenced him to death on a cross. And several things happened on that cross as he hung there. He said several words. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
referring to Psalm 22, which predicted crucifixion 350 years plus before it ever was invented by the Babylonians. He said, I thirst. And right before he gave up his last breath, with a loud voice, he declared to the universe, he declared to those of us who've been trying to work our way to God, he declared to God the Father, he declared to those of us who are alive today, he said in a loud voice, it is finished. The work that God sent me here to do, the work that he's been working ever since rest was broken by sin that man brought into the world, it is finished. I have accomplished the work that God sent me to do. And so if you turn in your Bible to Hebrews chapter 4, you discover another little verse that says, Therefore remains another Sabbath day, another Sabbath day, that those who believe in him today, Today, it's called today. It's not called Saturday. It's not called Sunday. It's not called Wednesday. It's not called Tuesday. It's called today. The moment you hear this good news of a God who sends his son to live a perfect life, to do the perfect works that you could never do yourself, who goes to the cross and dies a death that was yours and takes it upon himself, takes upon your sin, takes on your shame, and then declares it is finished when you believe in that you enter into a finished work of God amen it's all about Jesus it's all about Jesus it's all about believing him as Lord believing in his accomplished work resting from your dead works and as Adam entered into the finished work of God it's about you entering into the finished work of Christ for more information visit relevant316.com you can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter we hope you have a wonderful day and God bless you.